Well, good morning. My name is Mike Keserowski. For those of you who don't know me, I am one of the uh, pastors on staff here at FAC. We're glad that you're here. We've got a very special morning ahead of us uh, in our time to get together today. Uh, if this is your first time here or you're relatively new to FAC, I want you to know that we absolutely love new people. And uh, we love new people so much that we want to connect them in some way. And so uh, if you're looking to get involved or acclimated or assimilated in some way, let me encourage you to uh, just make yourself known. Uh, it's, a, it's kind of a large place. We've got a lot of people, and uh, I, I would love the opportunity to meet you personally after service. And so I'll be down here afterwards, and I just want to invite you to come up and just make yourself known to me so that uh, we, we know how to plug you in, connect you, and kind of point you in the right direction of, uh, as far as next steps go. Uh, we would love that. Um, today is a little bit different uh, in that we're, we're just taking a different direction with our time this morning. Morning. I have with me Carl Ralston, who is the founder and president of a ministry called Remember New. Uh, FAC has been involved with this ministry for around four years now, around that time. And uh, typically one to two years, we bring Carl in to just once again tell us about the ministry, uh, tell us uh, how we've been involved, and we just have a conversation. And so uh, we're, we're glad that you're here, Carl. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it, was, it was a great first service and we're expecting more of the same second service. So, Carl, do you mind just sharing from your own heart, being the founder of this ministry, what is the big goal of this ministry of Remember New? Uh, from the beginning, I believe God gave us the goal of ending child sex slavery through prevention, finding the children before they're sold, and preventing them from entering the sex trade. Okay, now, now I've heard of <laughs> ministries like you guys before, and they are purely there for rescuing, actually getting children out, out of the sex trade that are in there already in that human trafficking um, process. But you're taking a little bit of a different approach through, approach through prevention. Can you speak to that a little bit and why you've decided to kind of go that route when it seems like all of these other ministries are kind of doing this other thing? My initial idea, like I think almost everyone that hears about this is, let's get the children out. But then as I did research and interviewed people who were running children's homes, I learned a few things. One, that it cost about 10 times more money to get a child out of the sex trade than it does to prevent them from going in. I also learned that if you prevent a child from going in, it's over a 95% success rate that they'll never enter the sex trade, where if you try and get them out once they're already in the trade, typically 70 to 90 percent of those children will go back into the trade within one to two years. And then the final thing I learned was that when a brothel owner has a child taken out from the brothel, they go get another child and replace that one. And if you take that child out, they'll go get another child and replace them. And so when you're pulling them out of the trade, I'm not saying you shouldn't, but when you do, you're in effect condemning another child to the sex trade because they're business owners in their mind. So if you take their product, they just replace it. Where if you prevent 
prevent the children from ever entering, you stop it at the beginning. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's very sad. It's a very sad reality. Um, but you guys are knocking it out of the park as far as that goes. Um, Carl, can you explain to me, just give us some history on this ministry. You guys are doing fantastic work. You're all over the place. You're affecting thousands of kids. What happened at the beginning where, where Carl Ralston says, I want to start this ministry that prevents this? Can you walk through that? In November of 2003, I was a businessman, had a very easy life. I owned a couple of businesses, and I got to go on a missions trip that the Christian Missionary Alliance was sponsoring to Chiang Mai, Thailand, where they flew 115 pastors and district superintendents over to Chiang Mai, and they learned about what was going on in Asian countries. They flew the missionaries in to speak to us, and I got to be one of five lay leaders that filled in when some of the pastors couldn't get passports or they had illnesses that prevented them last minute from going. And as I was there, the last speaker was a guy from Cambodia. He talked about child sex slavery, which I had never heard of in 2003. I didn't even know such a thing existed. And then he showed a picture of New, who became a Christian through their ministry at seven years old, started going to the Christian school they had for Vietnamese refugees, got baptized, started sharing her faith. And as he spoke about that, I really related to New as my sister in Christ. But then he said her grandmother, who was an animist and didn't like the fact that she became a Christian, sold her at the age of 14 years old. And the moment he said that, God impressed upon my heart just the two words, remember new. And I knew I couldn't go on living my easy life with the knowledge that I'm a mathematical guy, so I had figured out at the time it was one million children a year or 114 every hour. So now that number's up to 137 an hour. We'll enter the sex trade while we're meeting this morning around the world. So within a week, I just committed to God that till the day I died, I would try and do everything I could to stop this. Yeah, yeah, and so absolutely, yeah. Thank you. So you've got this young girl named New, and and you just hear her story, and this is what has inspired you to create this ministry. But we we know, for those of you that are familiar with the ministry, you've made made a connection with New. You made contact in those early times. What happened, um, you know, at this point, New is just a picture on the board, a picture on a piece of paper and a story in written words. Um, You decided, I need to go go find this girl that has inspired this ministry. Can you tell us about that story a little bit? Yeah, I knew God had called me to the million children a year, but he had also called me to the individual new. And so I tried to find her electronically through contacts and emails and stuff. I couldn't. So I took my first trip in August of 04 looking for her. Had learned that 90% of the Vietnamese refugees lived along either the Tonle Sap or the Mekong River. So I took that picture of new with three other girls, and I just stopped everybody that lived along those riverbanks 
with an interpreter and I said, do you know any of these girls? Do you know their families? Do you know how I could find them? And I, over a two and a half year period, I took six trips and found her on the very last trip um, in July of 2006. So what are you thinking going into that last trip? I mean, you, you have gone multiple times. You've spent a lot of energy, a lot of resources to find new. And uh, you're, you're going in what you're calling, you know, your last trip. <laughs> Were you just going to keep going and going until you found her? Or was, uh... Yeah, I, I, the only reason I think God said remember new to me that I can think of is that I'm the most stubborn person I know. <laughs> and uh, actually on the fifth trip, somebody told me why are you spending all this money you spend like three thousand dollars every time you try to find her and they said why don't you just give up and help someone else and uh in defiance in a good way i think i said to them you need to understand until the day i die i will come looking for her if i live to be 90 and i would have i would have spent every dime i had to find her because God said, remember new, and I knew that meant he wanted me to help her. And so when God asks you to do something like that, I hope you never quit. Yeah, and so I'm sure that there was a transition even from um, being inspired by a story to meeting somebody in the flesh, understanding that this ministry is flesh and blood. Even as we talk, you're hearing the stories, and these are pictures on pages, but to meet them and to experience the, the blood and the flesh, the sweet creation of God, made in God's image. Um, This is what this ministry is set out to do. And so tell us, Carl, a little bit about this ministry. Tell us about um, just what practically are you guys doing right now? What what is this ministry right now from a practical standpoint that's helping prevent kids from entering into the sex trade? We basically do three things that remember new. They're all focused on ending child sex slavery. When we find a child at risk, we have three options. First option is if they're in an environment that is at risk, we'll try and remove them and give them a scholarship to live in one of our safe homes for children. We'll provide food, clothing, shelter, medical care, education, meet all of their needs. And that's probably about 70% of our children are in that situation maybe 80 and then the second one is like in Europe they won't let us run children's homes there so we do foster care we do that through the church our first foster parents were all pastors now we're starting to take some foster parents from their congregations and so that's a second option third option is if their environment is only at risk for financial reasons and say they live with their grandma who loves them but she just can't afford them we'll provide a scholarship to keep them in school and then we'll provide some money for the family to survive and so whenever the environment uh, can be fixed with just funds then we do that yeah, good. And so there's indicators that you're looking for, right? When you when you target a community, um, what are some of those things where you look at just the at-risk 
children, you're looking and saying, hey, this seems like a child that would get into the sex trade. What are some indicators um, that you guys are looking for in order to prevent that from happening? They're actually very clear. Poverty is the common denominator for all children that are in the sex trade. I've never seen a rich child in the sex trade, especially in foreign countries. It's very much poverty driven. But then there's usually another circumstance like parents being alcoholics or drug addicts or a sex trade worker themselves. If they're into gambling, if they get put in prison, uh, a lot of times in divorces, the the mom and the dad both will abandon those children and get remarried to different people. Those children are at risk. If they have a sibling <clears throat> that is in the sex trade or an alcoholic or a drug addict, they can be at risk as well. And so we look for those risk factors, and they're very evident. Gotcha. So tell me, Carl, how many different homes, different countries, uh, and to your estimation, how many different kids are currently being ministered to through Remember New? We're in 16 countries around the world. We have 105 children's homes, and we have about 1,850, a little more than that, children in our permanent or in our full-time care. Yeah. Do you mind sharing some of the countries that uh, you're in right now? Yeah. If you start in Africa on the far west coast, we're in Guinea-Bissau and Gambia, and then we're in Kenya, Uganda, Tanzania. Coming across, we're in India, Myanmar, which used to be called Burma, Thailand, Cambodia, Laos, Philippines, Bolivia, and then in Europe, we're in Albania, Moldova, Romania, and the Ukraine. Okay, and uh, FAC has uh, three different countries that we've been involved with. It's Thailand, Kenya, and uh, Myanmar, mm -hmm. uh, as well as far as our involvement goes. Carl, do you know, I mean, the ministry has existed for, you know, over a decade, over 15 years. Uh, do you have a number of how many different kids throughout, over the course of the whole ministry that you've impacted or had an effect on? Yeah, we've had over 2,000 children in our homes. Okay. And, and the intent is that you bring them into the homes, and, and as long as there's support there, they, they, are, they are in it until they're older. Is that correct? Yeah, we uh, work with children, so we take them before they're 17 years old. Our average age is about 12. But then once they're in our home, we'll provide for them until they're no longer at risk of the sex trade. Sometimes that means they graduate ninth grade in some countries and they can go back to their village and they'll be the most educated person in their village. So we have a, one girl I think of that she's a school teacher at, with a ninth grade education. She's all the primary school for that village. But most of the time they'll graduate high school and then do vocational training or we'll start a business for them. And then maybe so far about a third of our children get to go to university and and we started out paying all of it, but they didn't respect it. And so we found out that they have to have some skin in the game. Sure, sure. So we have them pay a portion. Yeah, yeah. So you have several sponsors for these children. What happens uh, once they are out of the homes uh, and you guys feel comfortable essentially releasing them, knowing that uh, they, they won't enter into the trade? What happens to the sponsors uh, that are supporting um, these children? Yeah, when the... 
uh, child graduates high school, we'll contact the sponsors and let them know what the plan is. Sometimes it's going to be a $1,000 cost to go to vocational training, and we'll ask them if they want to be involved in that or not. No problem if not. Uh, once they, if your child would go to college, we'll let you know how much that cost is and ask if you want to keep doing your current sponsorship, if you want to stop, or if you want to get more involved. But once they're through college, then we'll, you know, thank you for keeping your child safe from the sex trade or if it's high school. And we'll offer if you want to sponsor another child or stop. So we leave it up to the people. Can you share, Carl, just some success stories from this ministry? Uh, Just something from the the kids that have grown up now. Um, Just that would be an encouragement to us showing how effective this really is. Yeah, I I saw this come full circle for the first time, really, in a clear way. In November of last year, my wife and I went to Cambodia. In the very first home that we opened, uh, we took in 15 girls who were from News Very Neighborhood where she was sold. And at the time, they were selling 77% of the girls into the sex trade from that village. Mm -hmm. And when they came into the home, they were anywhere from 8 years old to maybe 13 or 14. And we had a reunion for them. And so we met in Phnom Penh, Cambodia, in a coffee shop. And it was so neat because here are these girls, 12 of the 15 were able to join us. 11 of them were married and had been married to their first husband. None of them were divorced. Uh, 10 of the 11 had children. They were all healthy, successful, happy. And uh, it was a great joy for Lori and I as we sat there, knew was with us. And as each of the girls walked in, almost every one of them would just start crying when they saw Lori and I, because we hadn't seen them for about seven or eight years. And they knew, you know, they knew what Remember New had done in their lives. They knew that their families were never going to sell a child into the sex trade. So the impact of Remember New goes way beyond just the one child. And many of you sponsor children here, and I thank you so much for that. That's the only reason we can do it. Uh, But as they graduate, you'll see they'll get married and they'll have children, and you'll realize that your impact is far greater than just that one life. Yeah, yeah. Now, we didn't bring this up in first service, but what you just said jogged my memory of something you've shared in the past, just in the communities that you're in, um, the sex trade, the evil people that look at this as a business. How is it having an an effect on that? Are are they, like, leaving because, you know, they can't find um, young boys and girls? Uh, How is that having an impact in, in that? Yeah, what we do is when we hear a child sold from a village, we go to that village and start looking for other children who are at risk because we know a sex broker is working that village. Someone from the trade is going there and preying on the children. 
So once we go in the villages, it really does shut down child sex slavery. Um, and I believe that there is going to be that tipping point where they can't find children. Yep. Yep. It hasn't happened yet, but I know that day is coming because sure. I see it in the villages we're in. Yeah, and so the ministry in the sport isn't just going to individuals, but it's affecting whole communities yeah. uh, in uh, essentially scaring these wicked people out of there. Uh, is fantastic. Good. Um, now, obviously, this you, you, you talk about children being put in homes. All of their needs are being met. I, I could imagine uh, for several thousand children, this costs something. Uh, can you explain um, just where the support comes in on this? Yeah, most of the support for our children is from you. It's from individuals like everyone sitting here that's working a job that sponsors a child for $60 a month as a parent or $20 a month as a sibling or $40 a month as a grandparent. And we take those funds, uh, 100% of that money goes directly to help the children. If you give us uh, $720 a year as a parent sponsor, literally the whole $720 goes to help the child. And that's how we fund Remember New. We have many heroes like you that do that. You really are the true heroes of Remember New because without a sponsor, we wouldn't help one child. We couldn't do it. Mm. So every single penny, it's going directly to that child that I'm supporting. Wow, that's fantastic. So I would imagine, though, as a ministry, there's still overhead. There's still uh, administration type things. How do you go about, if all of my support is going to 100% to the child, uh, how do you cover the admin and the, the overhead? We do have people that give directly for our administrative cost. Like one of my friends in Portland, Oregon, he funds our dinners. We do about uh, two dinners on average per year, and they cost about ten to fifteen thousand dollars for all the cost. That's what he does. He's a business guy, and he knows that that money results in you know one, two, three hundred thousand dollars coming in to help, and so he covers that. We still. Have have to report it as an advertising cost, even though he pays it. Uh, And there's some other people that do things like that. And if those aren't enough to cover, then we have a general fund that people give to. There's a church here in... um, think it's Mechanicsburg, but don't quote me on that. The CMA Church in Pennsylvania that uh, they give to our general fund to cover our admin cost. The pastor doesn't want to give it to the children's homes because he knows we have needs. So there's people out there that God puts it on their heart. That's it's excellent. Cool. Good. And Carl, it's been a pl- pleasure to be involved with this as a church, as a body of believers, and we're excited about um, j- just the future of Remember New and the direction that you guys are going. Now, just recently you went on a sabbatical, uh, and we, we, I'd love to hear just your thoughts. First of all, what did you do on your sabbatical? Um, and, and as you kind of work through the future and the, just the direction of Remember New, could you share a little bit um, just where you want the ministry to head and where it's going? 
Yeah. I had the great fortune to take a sabbatical last year, and my mentors and my board asked me for a third of my sabbatical to focus on learning about leadership. A friend of mine who's a pastor in Bangkok, I asked him if he had some books on leadership he'd recommend, and he said, you know, I don't think you should self-study. I think you should go take classes, and he referred me to NIAC. It's a Christian Missionary Alliance College in Nyack, New York, and they have a doctorate program on global leadership, and he said, you know, you could just take a couple of classes, so I took the first class, and it was amazing, changed my life drastically, and so I took a second class and really wanted to work on the degree, so during the last 18 months, I've uh, finished all my classwork and my electives. In February of this year, I went for six weeks, my wife and I, to do research on Remember New and the effect we had had in Thailand. We had never studied it academically. And so I interviewed 33 of the villages, village leaders that we were in out of the 63. They, I invited all of them, but 33 showed up. And we found out what Remember New really was doing. And what I learned was before Remember New started in each of these villages, they had about 6.5 children per year per village going into the sex trade. But once Remember New came in, that number dropped down to 1.5 children per year per village. So we thought we had saved 300 children in Thailand from entering the sex trade. But what we really learned was that we were saving over 300 every year. And so just in Thailand alone, the imprint or impact of Remember New was over 2,000 children. And so for the children that you sponsor, you literally can take that number times seven. That's the effect that you're having toward ending child sex slavery. For every child you sponsor, it's really preventing seven from entering the sex trade. I can tell you that academically and statistically that's true. So overall, Remember New has kept over 16,000 children out of the sex trade in 12 years. Let's praise God for that. Absolutely. And it's an investment, you know, as even as we support uh, the children, it's having a much broader impact. Um, So tell us about tell us about what's next. What's uh, what are you hoping to accomplish? What direction are you going now with uh, Remember New? Yeah, one of the things I realized during school was that. What we're doing is awesome. I praise God for it. I feel like the most fortunate man in the world to be a part of Remember New and be involved. But we're not going to end the sex trade. 16,000 is an amazing number, but it's 1.2 million every year. And when I thought about that, I was kind of sad because I believe God did call us to end it. And at the same time, I think God gave me a way to accelerate our vision, and that's through helping others start nonprofits. So especially to young young people, I say, you know, would you give your life to save 16,000 children? I think probably all of you would do that. 
and that's what we want to do. I've written a manual that's like 60 pages long telling you every step in how to start an organization like Remember New, the things we've learned to not do and to do. And we're going to do training a couple of weekends, uh, two different things of training. We're giving everybody that is interested to start a nonprofit all the knowledge we have, our website, everything, so that they can launch these nonprofits. Uh, when Remember News started, I had a whiteboard with not a mark on it and kind of had no idea what to do. Uh, we can now say, here's the model. Please improve upon it, make it better. But this is the direction you can start going till you learn how to do it better. So I believe if we can get, I haven't worked the numbers out exactly, but I believe if we can get 500 people to start nonprofits, we can end this in our lifetime. And who of you would argue with me that uh, there should never be another child raped till they die? Absolutely. Amen. I could imagine this has been a crazy, wild, sometimes frustrating journey for you. Uh, Carl, can you speak a little bit about just the transformation that's happened in your own heart? I mean, you came from a secular world, very well-to-do, uh, and you abandoned it all to start this ministry uh, that God had impressed on your uh, heart, all with the words, remember new. Tell us a little bit about just your own journey through this spiritually, and if you could go back and do it again would you do it yeah when i told friends and family that we were selling our business and we were gonna do this a lot of people told me we were crazy and how stupid we were and stuff some were encouraging but some were discouraging and the very first home that we opened was as i told you in phnom penh cambodia with the help of new and a house mother and at the time i was still running my businesses and so i had to be in the states but i would go over for a couple of weeks meet with new and the house mother give them a list of like 30 to 100 things to do buying dishes running an apartment to start all these things and then i'd go back check on what they had done give them another list and the last time was in November of 2006, and they were going to open the home January 1st, 2007, with those 15 girls. And so I got to go the first week in January, but the home had been open for about a week. And as I opened the door, the girls were sitting in like a horseshoe shape in little seats and they didn't have any English and I certainly had no Vietnamese or Khmer but knew and the house mother had taught them to say a few words and when I opened the door they said thank you Father Carl and I took the time to look at each one of them individually and connect with them eye to eye I was about 10 or 15 feet away from them but I I believe that every one of them said, thank you. We know you saved our lives because in their neighborhoods, 77 percent of their friends and family were going into the sex trade at that time. And they saw, you know, a girl in three years go from a beautiful young lady at 15 years old to a skeleton with skin stretched over them. And they knew that was their fate. And if I could bottle that and give it to each of you, every one of you would quit your jobs. You would 
leave retirement, you would do it um, because that was worth more than anything in my life yeah. uh, of value. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, Carl, we think the work is fantastic and what you guys are doing great. And I think these social issues are extremely important for us as believers to care about. Uh, but at the end of the day, the end goal, I think, for every believer is that we might evangelize or make known the gospel, right? Our mission here at FAC is to transform Erie. How? By introducing people to a transformational relationship with Jesus, right? So our goal is always get them to Jesus, introduce them to Jesus, and that's how transformation is going to happen. Um, and Scripture even talks about how you can gain the whole world, but still you lose your soul, and you've lost your purpose. And so we, we can support Remember New, and we can, um, we can provide them everything. We can provide them the world, their health, their education, a safe place, a, a home, even spiritual needs. Um, but what are we doing as far as the gospel is concerned? What are you guys doing as far as the gospel is concerned? Um, knowing that that's really the end goal of, of this as well. Um, do you guys evangelize in your homes? And uh, it may look different than what we would think of evangelism here, but how do you go about introducing them to a transformational relationship with Jesus? Yeah, and most of the cultures we're in, I learned early on that because we're providing their needs, their food, clothing, shelter, medical care, education, in their culture, they owe us everything. Our lives are theirs. If we tell them at 15, you need to go into the sex trade, they'll go. That's how this is promoted around the world. Because their parents or grandparents care for them, they have to do whatever they say. If we tell them we want them to be Hindu, they'll be Hindu. So because of that, uh, I made a decision early on that I didn't want to proselytize these children. I wanted them to meet the love, the agape, perfect love of Jesus Christ through our workers and let them decide. And so I've told our house parents, I don't want you to lead the children down Romans Road or do anything like that. I want you to love them. They have a job description that has 26 things on it. Number one in order of importance is love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And number two is love the children as Jesus loves them. And because of that, we love the children and let Christ love them through us. And so almost every child without exception within a week a few days a month maybe it's a few months they'll come to the house parents or a helper and they'll say okay tell me why you're doing this I've never been treated like this. I've never been loved like this. Why? And then we'll tell them it's the love of Christ compels us to love you this way. And I've literally watched children beg to become Christians because they know that that is something special and that they want it. And so over the years, over 90% of our children have become Christians. Wow. That's an incredible, it's <laughs> an incredible ministry they had 90 percent committing their lives to christ because they have seen the love of christ in the flesh uh, through these house parents it's wonderful so perhaps somebody out here carl their heart has been pricked right and, and the spirit's moving in them and they're saying i want in i don't know how but i want in what are some ways that we can continue to come alongside you from an individual level what can our people do individually to come alongside and support you guys 
I mentioned earlier that you can be a, a sponsor of a child for 20 40 or $60 a month. That's one of our greatest needs. Also, if you're not in the position to give like that, we have a great need for prayer warriors. If you see my wife or uh, Cindy Sheffield is out at a table uh, in the lobby, you could sign up to either choose your child today or you could sign up to be on our prayer sheet. My wife sends that out between four and eight weeks. Um, she sends out a prayer letter. Usually she tries to get them out every six weeks and you can pray for Remember New. Your church has sent several teams over. You can go over and just love on the children. Uh, if you talk to the kids, they might not realize the big benefit of the food and clothing and the house parent uh, holding them accountable, but they love to sit and play Uno with you or volleyball or they call it football. We call it soccer. <laughs> uh, you can just go love on the kids. That's important, too. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it's a wonderful opportunity. It has been a real privilege to, uh, to, to do this with you uh, and Thank alongside. You. And so we're excited about the future of Remember New. Um, one last question for you, Carl. A- any updates on, on New? How, how is she doing? What is she up to these days? Yeah. Um, New now lives in um, sorry, Portland, Oregon. I know I told your church, but some of you might not have been here that day. She got married on May 8th, 2016 on a beach in Hawaii to a young man that was born in Oregon. A great young man loves her to death. And uh, a funny story, the first year of marriage, about four months into it, her and I were meeting for coffee. She said, Dad, you're right. Marriage is work. Uh, I truly think she thought it was just nothing but smooth sailing. (laughs) Marital bliss. Uh, But I will say after that, the second and third year, they're doing really well. They've come into their own. They really love each other, and I would say adore each other. Uh, One of the things I told him before they got married was was very important to me because Phnom Penh keeps becoming a more dangerous place to live. Cambodia uh, that knew would get citizenship and so they applied and got what is now a seven year green card which kind of means that she can stay here permanently Uh, with that they'll let her keep renewing that but she also this week will apply for citizenship so I'm hoping within a year that she'll be a U.S. citizen and That way she'll always be safe. Yeah, we'll look forward to that. And Carl, thank you so much for joining us. Thank we you. We love what you guys are doing. It's um, it's important for me that um, as we were preparing for this interview, I started looking up scripture um, just on this issue and on this ministry. Uh, and I think it would be remiss of us not to take a look at what God has to say about these children that Remember New is ministering to. And so I'd encourage you to write down these passages and spend some more time with them uh, later in this week. But Psalm 68, uh, verse 5, uh, calls God the father of the fatherless and the protector of widows is God in his holy habitation. That's Psalm 68, verse 5. Psalm 82, verses 
3 through 4 says, Give justice to the weak and the fatherless. Maintain the right of the afflicted and the destitute. Rescue the wicked, uh, the, sorry, rescue the weak and the needy. Deliver them from the hand of, of the wicked. It's Proverbs 31, verses 8 through 9 says this Open your mouth for the mute for the rights of all who are destitute. Open your mouth, judge righteously, defend the rights of the poor and the needy. And then finally, Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40. This is a passage that has absolutely wrecked me over the years. Even re- recently, it's Jesus talking about the, the, when he comes again, um, and he's addressing the believers. This is what he says, For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them truly, I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. I think about the least of these. The, 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 the mute, the voiceless, the weak, the needy. There is not much, there, there are not many people that are as needy and voiceless and weak and poor and wounded than these children that we are ministering to, that you guys are ministering to. And what we find as we open those passages, and that just scratches the surface, those were just the ones that I picked uh, very, very quickly, uh, is that it is the heartbeat of God to care for the needy, to, to be a voice for the voiceless, to stand up and say, we're going we're, we're gonna to come up against this injustice that's being done. This is the heartbeat of God because God cares about those who can't help themselves. God cares about the, the voiceless. He loves the needy. Right? And so you may look at this and you say, how, how does God allow this to happen? Why isn't God doing anything about this? And my answer to many people that have asked that question is that God has done something about it. And it came in the form of Jesus Christ coming down out of heaven and hanging on a cross. And there will be a day. When he returns, where all things will be made new and all things will be restored and and all of of the wicked men and women that are participate in this uh, will be punished justly and rightly. They will experience the full extent of God's wrath if they don't turn to Jesus. And so I would encourage everyone this morning, even, um, you know, you might be sitting here thinking, I feel weak and I feel needy and I feel voiceless. Let me encourage you that there is hope and it's found in a man and his name is Jesus. And you can choose to follow him today. And there will be a day where all things will be made right. But until that day, us as believers, let's stick up for the voiceless. Let's uh, go to bat for those 
who are needy. So if you have any questions about this ministry and this wonderful uh, man who runs this ministry, he'll be available briefly after uh, service out in, the, out in the foyer. There is a table set up there as well. Uh, perhaps you need to go home and pray about it even a little bit before you decide to jump in and get involved. If you have more questions or want to get involved, feel free to touch base with Pastor Scott uh, as this ministry is under his oversight and umbrella and uh, he would be an excellent person to talk to. So uh, let me go ahead and pray and then we'll sing one more worship song and uh, collect our offering. Carl, are there any prayer requests that we can pray for you guys right now? Um, just as we're getting ready to start launching these nonprofits, it's intimidating. It's not yeah. in my comfort zone. Sure. But uh, for them, our very first one is Matt Boyd, a left-handed pitcher for the Detroit Tigers. He's a starting pitcher. Okay. They, uh, our first year, we helped 15 kids. Their first year, they've helped over 100. Oh, wow. Wonderful. So that's our first partner. And so Excellent. I know this can be effective. Yeah. Yeah. I want to see it end with all my heart. Absolutely. Well, let's go to the Lord in prayer and we pray to that end. To Heavenly Father, we ask, and we know that we can boldly ask this, and because of what Christ did on the cross, we ask, Father, that in our lifetime we would see an end to the sex trade. We, we, we know of your power, Lord, and we know of your movement and your Holy Spirit. So, Father, I pray that you would bless our endeavors in this. We pray that uh, you would bless uh, this ministry, remember new, uh, that you would continue to uh, move your spirit among these homes and among these children, Lord. I lift up Carl to you as he moves forward, Father, in the areas where he's uncomfortable uh, or, or not qualified. Would you equip him? Would you show him uh, your strength, Father? I thank you that we have the privilege of being partners with him in this ministry, and I ask, Father, that uh, as we move forward, FAC would be passionate about um, being a voice for the voiceless and being an advocate for the weak, because, Father, you did that for us in the name of Christ. We were needy, and you provided for us through Jesus' sacrifice. We thank you for that, Lord. And even as we take our normal offering right now, Father, would you use these funds to make Jesus' name known and make it great. And in your holy name I pray. Amen.